Welcome into the MMA Minutes. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Danny Gutierrez. You guys are going to have to bear with me because I am just getting over a little bit of a cold, but I hope you, Sean, are doing better than I am. I am doing better than you are because uh, finals are done and over with and I'm not sick. Thank God. So we're both you know, Thank happy about God. finals, but uh, at least I'm not sick. So sorry to hear that you're sick, but uh, hopefully. Uh, what Talking about uh, everything that's going on in the UFC and talking about everything that's going on in mixed martial arts will make you feel better. It and you will. know what makes me feel better? When I'm absolutely right. And we <laughs> had that happen last Saturday when Max Holloway defeated Jose Aldo um, in the third round by TKO. What did I say? The same exact way. It was going to be the same exact fight, and it was pretty much the same exact fight. I don't know about that. I feel like Max Holloway was much more aggressive in this fight because he knew in this fight that he could put him away whenever he wanted to. But even then... And that was the only difference in the fight. In the second round, you look at the second round, I think most judges scored it for Aldo like they did in the first fight. And then you look in the third the third round, Max flipped it around and just absolutely took him apart. Maybe you clip a fifty to the to the to the card and hand it to the judges and be all like, here, give this round to Aldo. <laughs> I, don't know. I think I think I, I just deserve some props for absolutely calling that fight. Um you did you pick you picked Max? I right? picked Holloway yeah. for sure. I think I felt like his footwork and uh the measurement of his distance is very unique, so I, I felt like that would get it done against Aldo. Yeah, and Max now is absolutely on a tear. I mean, he is just going to be, I mean, if he continues on this terror, I mean, he's going to be the greatest featherweight of all time. Yeah, I like how humble he is about that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, when people ask him, like, are you the greatest featherweight of all time? He's just like, oh, no, not yet. I have to catch up to Aldo here, and then then we'll see. Then we'll talk. So it speaks volumes about his character, and I think his title reign is going to be awesome. Yeah, it should be a fun one. We'll see what happens next with Holloway. The one thing that I would love to see, and I hate making these fights. You know, I hate when weight, you know, high, uh, lower weight classes and higher weight classes come together right. and, and have champion versus champion. But I'd love to see Conor versus Max. I see it again. A rematch? Because yeah. now you see how much Max has developed. Now you see where Conor is. It'd be a crazy fight to see. I just wish that we could see uh, that happen. But let's go to the co-main event where Francis Ngannou knocked oh. Al- Alistair Overeem's oh. head off his body. Oh. That was disgusting. Oh, my goodness. I think that was you like, picked Overeem. I, oh, no, 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 no. I was just talking how Overeem okay. could survive, but he absolutely did none of those things. He actually, like, charged at him and engaged in the clinch, and then he got reversed into the clinching position, and he was put up against the cage instead of Francis. And then they broke away. See, when... All right, so when Alistair Overeem is utilizing his head movement, he has his hands down. Mm-hmm. He always has, if you notice this, he always has his hands down, which is sometimes why he gets caught pretty good. And you saw that happen with Francis. Now, I'm not going to take away anything away from Francis Ngannou because he literally, like, it was like when you, when you, it's like when you used to watch a cartoon and that cartoon character got hit with a banjo, ding! Like, that's literally what happened with Francis Ngannou and Alistair over him. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. That was, that was just it. It was over. Like, that That was scary. Francis Ngannou is one scary man. And just looking ahead, we're, we're, we're going to jump to UFC 220 because— or two, Yeah, 220 um, out in Boston because it has been pretty much made official. It's not officially announced by the UFC, but pretty much all reports from MMA journalists are saying that Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic is going to be happening at UFC 220 in Boston for the UFC Heavyweight Championship. And it's a big fight for both fighters. If Stipe defends his belt, this will be the longest— defending champion he's got three title offenses would be the most by any heavyweight champion so it's a huge yes. milestone for him and then you also look at francis Ngannou. obviously this could you know put him up to stardom i mean the way yes. he knocks out people with the way he is built he could be a future star so looking at that fight 
Do you feel like it's early for Francis, or do you feel like it's the right move to make Stipe versus Francis? You know what? I feel like now's the right time since he actually defeated a former kickboxing champion, an MMA champion. Uh, I feel like that was the right fight to set him up for a title shot, so you might as well just give it to him. Uh, Stipe Miocic has got a lot of work to do because Francis Ngannou's coming, and he's com- coming heavy. But then again, you, you look at Stipe, he's more well-rounded of a fighter. I mean, Francis has unreal power. I mean, power right. we cannot describe, but at least overall— Stipe is probably the better fighter. I don't think anyone would disagree with that. On paper, you would have to agree with that statement because of the fact that he, you know, he's been around for a long time. He's taken his losses, and he came up. He became the champion the hard way. He's got real good footwork and real good boxing, and he's very strong in the clinch himself. He's a real big guy. He's a really mm-hmm. big guy. So it'll be interesting. Well, and you look at Francis, four straight first round knockouts, and you look at Stipe. He's got four straight first-round knockouts. So these two guys are either going to brawl it out and we're going to see one of the craziest fights we've ever seen, or it's going to be one punch and you're done again. Yeah, this fight is not going to make it all five rounds. And if it does... But see, whenever we say that, it always lasts five rounds. Yeah, it always lasts five rounds, and it always turns out to be some great spectacle of of any sport. So we'll see. And that card's going to be crazy in Boston. Uh, we got uh, also on that one DC versus Volkan Ozdemir, uh, a yes. fight that uh, is going to happen. UFC has said yes. that it's going to happen, even with Volkan's legal troubles. Um, and looking at that, do you think Volkan is getting the shot too soon? If you're going to say one of these guys is getting the shot too soon, which one would you say? I would probably say Volkan. I'd say get another win under your under your belt against a former champion, someone who's uh, in the top. Or an Alex Gustafson. Right. Some, someone like that who's in the top, uh, like Alexander Gustafsson or Glover Teixeira. So one of those guys that'll get him over the hump. Mm-hmm. But, you know, with the three wins in a row, with the two first-round knockouts, <laughs> as we talked about, and then that one impressive debut against OSP, who just came off of a title shot himself, um, it's... It, it, it's 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 very interesting, but I do I do feel like the Vulcan is the one getting the title shot sooner of the two. It's going to be a fun one in Boston at UFC 220, especially with the light heavyweight and heavyweight championships. It's been a while. I mean, I, I don't I can tell you off the top of my head the last time the heavyweight and light heavyweight has been defended on the same card. Rashad Evans, Shogun, Leoto Machida, at least for light heavyweight and heavyweight Brock Lesnar. I mean, those days Shane Carwin. No, but those, I'm saying those no defended on the same card. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking in terms of like how deep the divisions were cuz right now these two divisions are as deep as they've ever been. No way. What? I, I feel like they yeah, I feel like right now. Come on. Yeah. Light heavyweight is so thin. You have DC, you have Alex, you have Volkan. That's it. For now. I mean, Glover's been, you know, knocked out yeah. in like every other fight. You could probably throw OSP in there. Jimmy Manuel can't beat those guys. I mean, there's four guys in the division now. Yeah, so light, light heavyweight's really thin. Slowly but surely. It used to be just Gustafson and John Jones. And, and I mean Anthony Rumble Johnson it retired, so Well you had but then you had Rumble. You you had you had, <laughs> you had John Jones, you had Rumble, you had Gustafson, you had DC. I mean since since the John Jones Gustafson fight, J- John has cleared out the division outside mm-hmm. of DC, so really it's been thin since then is is what I'm saying. Anyways. Uh, we go to the the other fights on, on UFC 218. I don't want to talk about Cejudo versus Pettis. Cejudo dominated Pettis. Yes, it wasn't really that you know crazy of a fight. It was, I was actually it was impressed. Fight. I was actually impressed with how uh, well uh, Pettis, Pettis, excuse me Sergio Pettis defended off of his back. He didn't get dominated too too bad. He got controlled. He got dominated a lot, but it wasn't. It, he didn't take an extreme amount of punishment. Okay, there was 15 minutes of that fight and. Control-wise, Henry Cejudo controlled Pettis for 9:35 of it. Yes, but from a technical perspective, I would have to—I'd have to say he did very well because he didn't get eaten up 
from his guard, and he was able to get back to guard. He was able to get back to his feet, and even if he got taken down, he was he was able to establish some sort of control and get back to guard. So he wasn't in too much danger, but Henry Cejudo just kept putting him on his butt. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the greatest fight on this card, in my mind. Eddie Alvarez versus Justin Gaethje. Uh, the, <laughs> the, the king of violence, Eddie Alvarez, uh, defeats Justin Gaethje in the third round by TKO. Justin Gaethje was absolutely gassed in that fight, but it was a fantastic fight yeah. for both of those guys looking at Alvarez. Now, do you think the next move should be Poirier? Because obviously they had a, a very iffy yes, they um, did. ending. Uh, Alvarez, they're having a great fight, and Alvarez threw a knee. It was an illegal knee, but I think Alvarez ended up getting the victory. No, it was a no contest. It was a no contest? Okay. It was a no contest. Uh, I think they first when when the when the knee happened, they first declared it a victory, and now and then they overruled it to a no contest. But do you feel like that should be the next move for Eddie Alvarez, or do you feel like maybe he should be you know Tony Ferguson Habib winner? Anything that'll uh, project uh, Dustin Poirier's uh, notoriety in the lightweight division, I think, is good because he's coming up in the lightweight division with that win off of Pettis. Um, with this win over Eddie Alvarez, I mean, they're both coming off really big wins. Uh, why not? It makes sense, uh, and it'll project these guys into the top contendership in the lightweight mm-hmm. division. But um, I'd like to see that rematch. Who else would Poirier fight in the lightweight division? I mean, every other lightweight well, is tied up. Who else would Eddie Alvarez fight? Exactly. That's, that's what I'm saying. Exactly. Because Eddie Alvarez, obviously, is higher in the rankings. He's He's been a former champ, so he doesn't really need to fight um, uh, uh, that Dustin Poirier. Um, I, I was saying with the way the rankings are, obviously Tony's getting elbow surgery right now, so that takes him off. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, Habib versus Barboza, two yes. versus four. I was thinking you could have Eddie take on the winner of that fight. That's that what makes sense. My man, mine was saying, but you know what? I've never gotten anything right besides this Max Holloway thing. So that's why I'm rubbing <laughs> your face. Uh, what do you think the next move for Justin Gaethje is? His first loss of his career. First loss of his career in the UFC. Um, move, move on. Try and get a. Uh, win in his next fight obviously mm-hmm. and hopefully uh he'll change his fighting style because uh he got eaten up pretty good by Eddie Alvarez. Well his his whole thing is that he would rather put on an exciting fight than lose a bo- or win a boring decision and he he did that 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 night. I mean that was a fantastic That was fight. A, that was a fantastic performance. He was doing very well with leg kicks too mm-hmm. and he abandoned that. Well Eddie <laughs> Alvarez said um that if if it went four or five rounds he would have been done yeah. from the leg kick. So yeah, Justin Gaethje, again, had a nice performance, just wasn't able to finish it out. He was totally gassed by the end of that fight as well. Um, final fight on the main card, then we got two other ones on the prelims that we got to talk about. Tisha Torres defeats Mich- Michelle Waterson by a decision. Were you surprised by this at all? Uh, no, I felt like uh, Tisha Torres was stronger of the two. I felt like she was the better athlete. Um, I knew that she was going to get, excuse me, you felt that she was going to get the win if you saw her last performances. And if you're a fan of uh, Michelle Watterson, I mean, she hasn't fought since her fight with, uh, since her upset with Rose Namajunas. Mm-hmm. And uh, you wonder where her head was at, and uh, it just wasn't there. You saw it, and, uh, you know, she, she, she came up short. Hopefully Watterson can bounce back because she is such a fantastic fighter, but big win. For Tisha Torres, we'll see what happens next with her in the strawweight division. Then we're going to the FS1 prelims. Paul Felder defeats Charles Oliveira. You called it. Yes. Um, Wow. I mean, Paul Felder, he just eats guys up in the lightweight division. He's coming up. Uh, I'm excited to see what the future holds for him. And then another fight of the night, and this is the last one we're talking about, another fight that I called. Nancy Medeiros defeating Alex Oliveira. What were your thoughts on this fight, and, and how right was that? Man, that was crazy. It, it was 
You were right. <laughs> Yancey Medeiros is is at home at 170, so you were right. Well, he's at home, and and just whenever he's fighting with Max, it just feels like they have this <laughs> they have this sort of like connection. Now I don't, I don't know think, what it is. I don't think they're going to be put on every single card that. <laughs> but when they are, I feel like they're going to win every single time. Right. They, just, they, they got their boy with them. Right. Uh, anyways, we're moving on now to UFC Fight Night. Brian Ortega versus Cub Swanson yes. taking place. This Saturday in Fresno, California, we are talking about three fights on this card, and we're kicking it off in the bantamweight division. Marlon Marias, the seventh-ranked bantamweight in the UFC, taking on Aljamain Sterling, the number eighth bantamweight in the UFC. <laughs> Marias coming in 19-5 and one. Sterling coming in 14 and two in his career. Danny, who you like in this fight? I really like uh, Marlon Moraes. Uh, I'm really high on this guy. Aljamain Sterling is really tough. You know, he trains in uh, New Jersey with guys like Ray Longo and Chris Weidman and Matt Serra and, the, you know, the Sarah Longo team up there. Uh, he's got very good wrestling, very underrated jiu-jitsu. Uh, his stand-up is coming up, but I feel like Marlon Moraes is just on a higher level than him. I mean, he just beat John Dotson in a very mm-hmm. razor-thin, close decision, and Aljamain Sterling beat up... Uh, Hen and Barrow, and he was just, he, I felt like that was a catchweight fight, so he was drained from that weight cut. So there at 135, this is going to be a very interesting fight. Marlon Moraes is coming back really soon, like very, very soon. And we yes. kind of, we kind of, and his, his fight with John Dotson was a war. Yeah, his last it fight was, was a split decision. 11th. Yeah, it was a very good fight. It was a close fight. He actually got dropped, and he dropped Dotson. And we saw the fight with Bisbing and Gastelum, and it makes you wonder: has is he is he all right to come back and fight? Mm-hmm. Is he medically cleared to come back and fight? Well, I feel like they would. This is it was, right. It's different. Right. This is right. in the United States. This isn't exactly. where China, where they weren't having the same regulations over the. He he he's cleared to fight. Okay, so I, I'm taking Mar- Marlon Moraes. I feel like his hands are heavier, his pressure is heavier. I feel like his uh, he's he's just a notch better than Aljamain Sterling. And looking at it, like you mentioned, Marlon Moraes, the former. WSOF, a bantamweight champion. That's um, right. And he's had two fights in the UFC. Both were split decisions, losing to Rafael Asuncao, um in his first fight at UFC 212 and then winning against John Dotson. Aljamain Sterling on a two-fight win streak, like Danny mentioned, beating Henan Barrow, um in his last fight at UFC 214 and then beating Augusto Mendez. I'm going with uh, Marlon Marias. If, if, if the weight cut treats him fine, He's going to win this fight. I feel like he's a better fighter. I mean, we've seen his skill throughout the WSOF. We've seen his skill against two top bantamweights in Rafael yeah. Sunsau and Jad Dotson. Both were very close fights. I feel like he'll be able to take away uh, and, and be able to overcome Aljamain Sterling. Then moving into the co-main event, Jason the Kid Knight, the number 15th featherweight in the world, taking on Gabriel Benitez. Uh, Benitez, 19-7 and seven in his career. Jason Knight, 20-3. and three. In his career, Jason Knight is a fun fighter. His yes, last he is. Lo- uh, his last fight, he lost to Ricardo Lamas, but before that, he was on a four-fight win streak. And you look at Gabriel Benitez um, in his UFC career, he hasn't been able to been a, build a ton of wins. He's three and two, uh, but he is two and two in his last four fights. Looking at this, Benitez versus Knight, who do you like? I really like Jason Knight just because he, again, he is the veteran and he puts pressure on guys. Um, he's got some pretty heavy hands and he's got some really good wrestling as well. Gabriel Benitez likes to come forward as well, but I feel like where he's weak is his wrestling. He's a contestant off of the Ultimate Fighter Latin America 1, I believe. And uh, I feel like since then he's been trying to find his stride. You know, you see guys come off the Ultimate Fighter and they try to figure out exactly who they are, what their what fighting style suits them, how their weight cut's going to go. I feel like Gabriel Benitez is just trying to figure that out still a little bit. And uh, Jason Knight, I feel like 
has perfected that, so I'm just going to go with Jason Knight. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to go with Jason Knight, too. You watch him. He's just an explosive fighter, and he, he, he puts it all on the line. And you look at that four-fight win streak every single time, the last two especially against Alex Caceres and Chaz Skelly. He absolutely dominated those fights. And he was going up against Ricardo Lamas, and I feel like that was too big of a jump for Jason Knight. I mean, Ricardo Lamas always— It was a test yeah, for him. Yeah, it was he, a real big test for him, he, and he came up short. And I feel like he's, he's, he has the ability to overcome that stuff. Um, and, and facing a lower fighter in Benitez, I feel like he can overcome him and, and take down Benitez. But let's move on now to the main event, Cub Swanson versus Brian Ortega in yes. a featherweight bout. Cub Swanson, 25-7. and seven. Brian Ortega undefeated in his UFC career and his MMA career, sitting at 12-0 and 0 with one no contest. Do you like T-City and oh, Brian man. Ortega? T-City versus with, Killer Cub, How are you man. going with Cub? Oh, I, Cub Swanson personally is my favorite featherweight to watch. Uh, if you're a fan of Cub Swanson, if you like guys who are unorthodox, who like to throw crazy spinning wild kicks and punches, um, then Cub Swanson's the guy to watch. If you're a guy that loves submissions, loves wrestling, and loves results on the ground, you, you're you going to be a real big fan of Brian Ortega. Uh, Cub Swanson is a complete mixed martial artist, whereas Brian Ortega is specifically Gracie Jiu-Jitsu trained. He's called T-City because most of his wins have come by triangle, submission of triangle. His mm-hmm. guard is nasty. His ground game is nasty. He's undefeated. He's motivated. And you know what? His striking is not half bad. His striking is pretty crisp and un- unorthodox himself. Uh, he'll throw some flying knees in there. He's got real good boxing and boxing range. Uh, he'll throw kicks very well. Um, and he's not afraid to throw kicks because he's so dangerous off of his back. But Cub Swanson loves to implement what he calls beautiful destruction. And he's such a complete mixed martial artist. He's real good on the ground. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt himself. He's got a really good top game. Uh, he's very powerful in the clinch, very deceptively powerful in the clinch as well. He's even been training with Dwayne Bang and TJ Dillashaw. So we'll see what his striking, ha- how his striking has developed. Um, so yeah, I mean... You, if you talk about this fight on paper, this is going to be an extremely exciting fight. I can't call this. You can't call this a. Uh, you can't necessarily call this a striker versus grappler matchup, just because Cub is so uh, well rounded. Mm-hmm. But this is man. Who do you who do you have? Sean? Well, I was just, I was just going to throw in for both guys are on a four fight win streak. You look Cub Swanson, Hakron Diaz, Tizui Kajari. I'm not going to get those names. <laughs> he beat Doi Choi. He beat Artem Lobov. Man, I can't speak today. And then T-City is on a, a four-fight win streak as well because he is undefeated. But yes. uh, he, back in 2014, he uh, had a no contest against Mike Lidatore. Um, and then he uh, has wins over Tiago Taras, Diego Brandao, Clay Guida, and Renato Mokaya. So obviously, you know, both guys on four-fight win streaks. I'm going to go with Brian Ortega. I feel like it's a jump up in, 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 in you know competition here. Um, yes, it is. Uh, a huge jump up. And I'm not saying Cub isn't a good fighter, but... There's something about Brian Ortega where I feel like you can put it all together, and this might be you know him finally making that push to go for a championship. I'm going to go with the killer cub. I feel like he's going to implement beautiful destruction on Brian Ortega, so we'll see. I feel like uh, he's going to be prepared for the ground game. Uh, I hope he hasn't. Negle- you hope that he hasn't neglected that part of this fight. Even though you do see him training with Dwayne Bang, uh, his striking has come up. Every fight starts standing, but... If you watch Brian Ortega, he's very crafty and extremely dangerous. Yeah, and Ortega's not a bad striker at all. No, he's not. And, and, and uh, the fight against Clay Guida, he he looked really good on the feet. He so. ate him up. So, but I got to go with Killer Cub. I feel like he's much more well rounded. He's fought at a higher level for a much longer time. Uh, he's got experience. I got to go with the Killer Cub. So looking at this, you're taking Cub. I'm taking Ortega. We're both taking Knight. 
Yes. And you're taking Marias. Marias, yeah. And I'm taking Marias as well. So the only one we're different in is a sub, uh, Cub Swanson versus Brian Ortega. Might end in sub. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it <laughs> sub in the third round. Um, and let's move on to the final news that we got to talk about. George St. Pierre has vacated his UFC middleweight title, and Robert Whitaker now crowned the undisputed champion in the welterweight division. He'll be taking our middleweight division. I'm sorry. I'm used to welterweight division for GSP. Yeah. Um, GSP vacates his UFC middleweight title that he won. Um, back at UFC 217 against Michael Bisping, um, but he has had to rel- relinquish that title um, due to colitis. He's dealing with some uh, stomach issues. He was not able to keep on weight. Um, building up to that UFC 217 fight looked great in the fight. Yes, he did. Um, but he had to uh, relinquish the title. Now, yeah, Robert Werdeker crowned the undisputed champion, and he will be taking on Luke Rockhold in Perth, Australia at UFC 221. That's happening February 11th, 2018. So, Danny taking all this, obviously it's a heartbreaker because GSP finally makes his comeback. He looks great. We think that now he's got this you know whole new breath in his career and obviously he has to take away uh, a step like Brock Lesnar had to due to uh, at least medical issues. Do Stomach f- issues. Do you feel like this is the right move? The right move, yes, because if not, he'd be jamming up the division, so to speak. Uh, he, basically... What Connor did to Featherweight when he went up to go fight at Lightweight and then, you know, went to go box is basically how this would be. Just it would be a much different circumstance. Uh, GSP's sick. He's got health issues. If you feel like he, he won't be back in time to defend that title and there's just an interim champion defending the interim championship, mm-hmm. then you might as well just vacate the title and make the interim champion the undisputed champion. If he comes back, do you feel like he's going to come back at middleweight, or do you think he's going to come back at welterweight? I was just thinking about that. That thought just crossed my mind. I do believe that if you see GSP the next time, it'll be at welterweight. Yeah. Because right. he talked about—he even talked about— uh, if you pay attention to GSP before this whole comeback, a few years ago, he actually talked about moving down to 155. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like that's probably going to be the move. That happens. I don't feel like he's, it's going to happen, though. I don't. I feel like he's not going to come back. And and that's. I think that's the right move. Um, when you're dealing with stuff like this, don't push your body to the extremes. And GSP was out for so long, and I felt that was the right move. Re- you know, retire on a high note. You you got to retire on a high note. I feel like it's the right move. We see Connor holding up the light, lightweight division right now, and he's yeah. not even he's not even healthy. I mean, he, I mean, he's fully healthy. Is what I'm trying yes. to say. He's fully healthy. Yeah. He doesn't have anything that's you know holding him back from fighting. He just doesn't want to fight. Um, I feel like GSP is doing the classy move and, and, and vacating this belt. Um, I, I feel like it's the right move, and now we get Robert Whitaker versus Luke Rockhold. Do you feel like that was the right fight to make? Because obviously Rockhold, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Whitaker was the interim champion, so that makes sense that they promote him to undisputed champion. But I feel like Rockhold should deserve the title uh, shot, at least, AFC 221. Was Rockhold my first pick? If it was... Um... I have no idea. Who was your first pick? My first pick would probably would have been either Gastelum or Weidman. Uh, I wouldn't have picked Rockhold because he he got knocked out by Michael Bisbing. In the first round. In the first round. And, but it wasn't like it was a blowout. He got caught. And in his next fight, he almost got stopped by somebody who hadn't been in the UFC for years, who was a uh, champion in, a form, in another organization, mm-hmm. who wasn't even ranked top 10. Um, he finished the fight. It took him a little bit. He finished David Branch. He finished David Branch. He beat him up in the second round. He got top position and just completely destroyed him. Is it the motivation of Luke Rockhold that concerns me? No, absolutely not. I feel like he's going to come out swinging in this fight. Um, 
He's an awesome fighter. He's, he fights out of a southpaw position. He's got a great left kick. He's got an awesome lead right hook. He's got a snaky jab. He's got an awesome left cross. Uh, he's a very well-rounded athlete. Uh, so is Robert Whitaker too. So I, it's it. Yeah, this is really difficult because maybe I feel like maybe he could. I I feel like it was it could have been either Weidman or Gastelum. To I be feel like with you. Wy- Wy- Chris Weidman really hasn't been that impressive in his last fights. He is. I mean, you you talk about at least struggling with the opponents that he's been giving. Uh, you talk about Luke Rockhold. I mean, he defeated Calvin Gastelum. That was you know a close fight um, back uh, in in July. But then he lost to Gegard. He lost to Yoel Romero. He lost to Luke Rockhold. Yes. He's, he's one in three in his last four fights. Pretty it's much. not like he's been super impressive. And you look at Kelvin. Kelvin really hasn't been impressive as well. He lost to Weidman. He beat Michael Bisping in a great fight. But you look at that. I mean, that was you know Bisping fighting like ten days after he just lost. Right. And then you look at the one before that. He uh, it was a Vitor he, uh, Gastelum. Beat Vitor Belfort. It was a no contest due to him popping for marijuana. Um, but I mean, again, it's I, I don't. I mean, he's beaten cans out there. He's beaten Michael Bisping. He's beaten Vitor Belfort. He's beaten Tim Kennedy. I look at Luke Rockhold. He's a former champ. Got caught against Michael Bisping, but he has wins over Weidman. He has wins over Machida. He has wins over Bisping, Bosch, uh, and, and David Branch. And he looked impressive in those fights. So I, I feel like it's the right move to go with Luke Rockhold, especially the way that you know he has not been fighting. I feel like he's fresh. We've seen his ability throughout um, the UFC and in um, Strike Force, his former Force. Strike Force middleweight champion. Mm-hmm. In, in Strike Force, his, his fights with uh, Jacare. I feel like this was the right move. I feel like this is the right move in Perth. Um, and, and Robert Whitaker can show if he is the real deal now or not. And, and, right. and, and taking down Luke Rockhold, a former champion in Strike Force and in the UFC. Um, but those are my thoughts. Any final thoughts on, on, on GSP vacating? No. All right, cool. Well, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. Um, a ton going on. Again, we got uh, Brian Ortega versus Cub Swanson happening this Saturday, but I feel like there's a ton more uh, even happening after that. Um, I know UFC 218 is happening. Holly Holm versus Chris Cyborg. That's going to be fun. Habib is back on yes, that card. against Edza Barboza. It's going to be a great fight. The end of the year card. I'm sorry, 219. I think I said 218. Uh, 219. Uh, that one's going to be absolutely fun. December 30th, that one's taking place. You also got uh, Jimmy Rivera versus John Lineker. I Carlos have a Condit coming back against Neil Magny. Hold on. Khalil Rowtree is, is making his return. Uh, and Miles Jury is going to be back. Uh, Mark DeKessie coming back. Kiel uh, Kamara Uzman taking on Emil Meek. It's going to be fun. What was your, what's your question? If Holly Holm beats Chris Cyborg, Ugh. is she <laughs> the consensus greatest women's fighter of all time? No. Because she beat Ronda and then no. she beat Cyborg. No, no, no. I mean, it's going to be have to no, because because <laughs> outside of those two wins, nothing else has been that impressive. In right. Her I mean, she lost to Misha Tate. She beat the two. She beat two greats. But yeah. That doesn't make her a great. You know, it's it's like the Bisping thing. If Bisping beat GSP and Anderson, I wouldn't say Bisping's the greatest fighter of all time. Right. But he beat two of the greats. You know what I'm saying? Right. It, he obviously didn't beat GSP, but like if at <laughs> if least he did. if he did, you know, I, I feel no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't counter counter as that. Um, but happening before that, which is, we're talking about great fighters, uh, also happening uh, on December sixteenth, UFC on Fox, Lawler versus Des Anjos. Yes, that's a number one contendership for the welterweight division. That's going to be a very interesting fight. Uh, RDA coming up from lightweight division has just been nothing but impressive. He beat Tarek Safidine, and he also beat up uh, who else did he beat up? Uh, Hafiel. Rafael Dos Santos beat uh, Neil Magny, too. Oh, he did beat Neil Magny. I thought it was somebody to, he else. Lost he lost to Tony. Okay. He lost Tony and Eddie. Okay. And then he beat Tarek and he beat Neil Magny. Yeah, he had eaten up by uh, Tony Ferguson. But in welterweight, he looks great. 
Um, and Robbie Lawler is coming back after that Cowboy win, so we'll see. And we got a uh, fighter of the year that we got to talk about as well, so it should be a fun close to 2017-2018. should be even better, especially when Connor comes back and takes on Habib Nurmagomedov after Habib beats Edison Bar- Barbosa. We don't know UFC that. 219. No, I know that. Uh, anyways, that's Andy Gutierrez. <laughs> we don't know that yet. I'm Sean Anderson. You don't know that yet, folks. We will see you next time.